carry on talking. Um, yeah, I think it's the safest. Is it the safest, one of the safest cities to live in, Reykjavik? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, if they've got no crime, I would have thought. And they, they, they said to us, when someone got, we did a bit of a tour and the guy was saying they've got, which I found quite hard to believe, they've got no class system. You know, like we've got, obviously we've got upper class, middle class and working class. The guy who gave us the tour, he was saying they've got no class system there. But then I thought, well, you're going to have people that have got more money than other people. So, um, yeah. but I don't know how it works. <clears throat> yeah, like I say, it's really, it's a unique place. And somebody was telling me about how, like, you can't just name your kids anything. Like, there's a list of names oh, that okay. you have to pick from. And if you want to call your child something new it has to be like given the all clear by by the government over there or whoever yeah, yeah. so if let me that. see if i can get this right I'm like, so if you if you oh, had if you had a son and you called it it's he rather if you called him eric for example mm. it would you'd have to call him eric tony son oh, like okay. that it, you take the father's name or something like that and then yeah. that's how the names are passed down in Iceland. Yeah. Um, again, I've probably butchered it, but there's all sorts of different... That's what I mean. I can't really explain why I loved it so much. It was just different and, yeah, I don't know, mate. It was good. Yeah. It's cold. It's, yeah. yeah, it's... And everyone's condensed into one area and then you go out of town and it's just it's just empty, isn't it? It's just like... Mm. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not of, sure. A lot of space there. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Where's, where's been your favourite place then? That you because you you're fairly well travelled, right? Especially like since I've known you the last, I think it's been the last six years, I th- and I've known you go away so, like several times to quite quite unique places. So yeah, where's your like looking back now? Where would you say has been your favourite place to, oh, to go? I'd say favourite city, Rome. I love Rome. Just the history. It's just wow. That was amazing. Um, favourite country? I don't know. Africa's nice. I'd like. We're probably planning to go back to South Africa next year. I, I like that, and do do a bit more of a tour there. You know, so I guess well, the yeah. fact that I'm going back there next year says that that's quite high on my list. Yeah, and you said that I might like Iceland with my Viking blood. You might be a Rome. You might be a Roman in your pastimes, or be well, you do. You do. I remember being in Ephesus in Turkey. Which used to the Romans used to own Ephesus. It's quite a famous place. They said Saint Paul was captured there, I think. And I just remember getting a feeling, you know, it was really weird. Like I've been here before, which was quite spooky. It was, so maybe, yeah. And that's a that's a, a part of history that's always interested me. Roman yeah. stuff like that. So have you have you do you listen to Joe Rogan podcast? Sometimes, yeah. It, one of the latest guys on there, I think it was just dropped yesterday. And again, I'm going to butcher his name, Sadguru. Sadguru. Oh, I watched it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's a good one, that is. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. But he was saying about like living, you should live, or perhaps you should live like there is no heaven or how, mm-hmm. so that you can. Because his argument was we could already be in heaven, it's just we fucked it up. Yeah, 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 and the problem with some religions are if you think you've got another go at life, or you think you that there's something better to come, you might not make the most of this one that you've got. Yeah, and I found that really interesting. So, do you believe in these like 
pre-life, past life. So you're saying like you you had this I've been here before kind of moment. Do, do you think that's like a, a real possibility? I think it's a real possibility, but to be fair, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I'm open to it, but I don't know, Alex. I've had some weird experiences in my life that I can't explain, but so I'm open to it, but I don't I don't I don't think anyone can know for definite, can they? Oh no, no, absolutely. But there's a lot we can't explain, isn't there? There's, there's so in fact, there's far more things going on that we can't explain. But I think people mock things when they can't explain it. So, you yeah. know, so like a lot of scientists will say, you know, unless we can prove it, unless it's it's not science and and, and I get that, but I think it's ignorant to shut off any possibilities of things if just because we can't prove it's possible. Oh, definitely, yeah. And that's the big thing with all the stuff we've just gone through, isn't it, without getting into politics, COVID and all that. It's only being you only hear one side if and if it doesn't fit with the narrative, it's closed down. But whatever you believe to me, you've got to be whatever you believe, you've got to be open to both sides and listen to you know all the sides of the arguments. If you're closing down one side of the argument, what's that about? So it fits with what you've just said about, you know, your beliefs about heaven and you know, have past lives and stuff like that. We don't know. There's stuff we can't explain. It was interesting to think that we could be in heaven uh, right now. Because if you think, if we had not messed it up, like you could you could see it as like some form of heaven, right? Like if you look at the opportunities that we've got, the nature that's around us, the fact that we're around other people, we've got everything we need to survive. Like it could, uh, I sat there and thought, actually, this guy might have a point here. Yeah. And you can see how it could easily turn into hell as well. So if you're a Ukrainian now or in the various points of the world, you're probably living in what you would call hell. Mm. So it's like, don't be so sure that this isn't the afterlife, that this isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. the place that you get. Do you know what I mean? I thought, fuck. Like, He's like, brilliant, he is. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't warmed to him, but I, mm. I, there's some really interesting stuff. But I was out for breakfast with Arjuna this morning. We said, let's just imagine, Tone, that this is the, the one go you get, right? Like, and, you know, you have the, the Ricky Gervais kind of theory that, like, you know, do you remember when you were born? No, of course you don't. That's what it's going to be like after you die kind of thing. Like, me and Arjuna were, were talking about this. If that's the case and this is our one go uh, and you really want to make the most of your life, like, should you then be squeezing the shit out of every single day like pushing to the limits because we speak about this you're like what what is enough how much challenge should you have in your life you know should you ever sit back and be content if like you get x amount of years and then you're done or should like you just be going after every single opportunity that you get that's a good question isn't it and the should word was in there as well alex should (laughs) should i say you know um, i always pick people up on should so it's good. But again, everyone's different, isn't it? Aren't they? You know, you might have someone who, like, say, a guru whose idea of heaven, maybe now, is to sit in a cave and, and meditate for years. And other people might look at that and go, what a waste. But to them, it's not. So I guess it depends why you're doing, the, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and what you want to do and what you consider to be living life to the full, whatever that is. I guess a part of it's taking fear out of it, isn't it? And going, you know, what you were saying a minute ago, I liked and it brought to mind Shakespeare's fame, one of Shakespeare's famous quotes, you know, about how our minds can make a heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven. So again, it's all it's all in here, isn't it? It's all how we see it and how we think and what we believe. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you've what, been teaching me this for years, 
Um, you've been telling me this for years, but I think I start to understand it now. And Sadhguru talks about this. He's like, you have everything you need, really, mm-hmm. uh, and everything is internal. So, like, you could have all the money you want, you could have everything, but if internally, like, things aren't right, it doesn't matter. You're going to portray what's inside. Yeah. And I get that. I totally get that. But still, like, it's like, well, how how do I work on the inside? How do I become okay with myself? How do I become content? How do I stop chasing happiness? How how do I how do I live a good life internally for me to be able to have that perspective? Like, where do we even start with that? But that's the same. It's the same thing, isn't it, Alex? It's about again. It's down to your beliefs, isn't it? It's the, everything's down to your belief system. So if you believe, it's like I was talking to a guy last night. He's a psychologist. I'm doing some work for him. He's really interesting, and he said we've been trained for years. Because most people deep down think they're not good enough. And he started to mess around with it a bit. He's a clever guy. And, he, you know, he said he was working with a woman and she was saying she's not good enough. And he went, no, you're not. <laughs> just to challenge her and just say, yeah, well, what if you aren't? What if you're not good enough? And how do you measure not good enough? It's impossible to measure. You know, we measure it against other people, but that's it's almost like a bit of a false measurement. So I, I guess what I'm saying to answer your question, it's got to be from the inside, hasn't it? You know, you could see you could see someone in Africa. I've been to Africa, Tanzania, third world country. You know, you get a woman there, for example, who, who or a guy lives in a little tin hut, and they're so happy because they've got a tin hut. You know, this is this is my new house. This is, and they're so proud of it. So, you know, I don't know. Everyone's different, aren't they? It's how it's how you measure it, and yeah, but isn't that where we're way off? So we will automatically measure it against. We'll we'll always compare. To, to people that have got more than us, usually. Because, because again, it's in front of our eyes all day, so we, we can go on social media. We don't very rarely... We very rarely see people that are less fortunate than us on social media. We follow inspirations, successful people, driven people, mentors, coaches, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you can understand why, right? We want people to look up to, to aspire to. Like, we want to be like the... You know, we watch The Rock on Instagram and he's... You know, he's got everything going on, right? Like, And they're the kind of people we aspire to. We buy their books. So it's only normal that we would try and be on that path, right? So it's become it becomes hard not to strive to be better. So you're always comparing. And I think that can be helpful and healthy, but it can mm-hmm. also be detrimental. Yeah. You can use people as a measure, can't you? But I don't know if you know the rock suffers with depression. He's quite open about it. So it's a great example of someone who on paper has got everything. He looks great. You know, he's, he's, he's minted, but he suffers with depression. So um, things are not always as they seem, are they? Jordan Peterson talks about this. You can walk past people's mansions and they look fantastic from the outside and on the inside, the people are miserable. You know, you, you don't know, you don't know what's going on for people. So you're right about measuring, but I think that's society as well, isn't it? Society almost conditions us to do that. <clears throat> it works off fear, doesn't it? You know, you look you look at marketing and stuff like that. To if you you've got to wear this aftershave to be a certain type of person, or a woman's got to look a certain way, and you know, so it that's how society works. That's how. It's how marketing works. It's how, uh, what do you call it? How all our money, all that, everything works off people. If everyone tomorrow went, I've thought this for years, Alex, and it'd be a hard thing to do. If everyone tomorrow went, I'm happy with what I've got, 
I'm not, I don't want a new house. I don't want a new car. I'm not going to go out and buy all the economy. Imagine what would happen to the economy. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like, I know it's getting into conspiracy theory and I don't mean it like that, but it's almost like that's how we're conditioned to work, to always want more. I think Paul Simon sings about it in one of his songs. We're in, it's indelibly marked on our brains to want more. I just remember hearing that line and thinking, wow, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and I get it. And I think I'm past most of that, but not wanting more for my life. Mm. Does that make sense? So I don't feel like I need uh, anything better in terms of materialistic items. Like I've got everything I need, to be fair. Like I've got mm. I've got a roof over my head and a car mm. and so on. So, but I think it's you never stop striving to want more. Otherwise, it seems like a bit of a waste to me, you know. When you know, if you're a 30, 40 year old guy sitting there and you go, Well, that's my lot, do you know what I mean? And I know you can frame that as in, Yeah, this is my lot, aren't I lucky? But I don't think we're conditioned to do that because if we're not, if we're content, then what, what are we doing with our creative side, with our ambitious side? Like, how, how do we f- feed that? Because that's in us, right? That's innate. So, how do we ever say, Yeah, I'm happy with everything I've got? What do we do with our energy? Yeah, but I guess I guess I'm thinking more when I was saying that more material things. I think for me it's about trying to have as many experiences as possible. Do you know what I mean? So to experience different things. So there's nothing wrong with buying a new car. There's nothing wrong with for me, there's nothing wrong with having a beer or having a drink or something. As long as you I guess as long as you it's a bit like the Buddhist thing, isn't it? They say about not attaching too much to it. You know, so that, that's the key. And that's what he was saying in the Joe Rogan interview as well, wasn't he? He started off talking about chemicals, how we get all our needs met through chemicals, whether it's drink, drugs, different things, instead of looking inside. So the looking inside means being, I, I guess for me, the looking inside be, means more about being content with who I am. I always say to people, if you can just get to a place, Alex, where you're okay, that's enough. I'm okay with who I am. And being okay with who I am doesn't mean that I haven't got faults. It's like quite often people say to me, oh, you, you know, you're a nice guy, you're this, you're that. And I always think, well, ask, ask my wife and she'll give you, a, you know, a bit of a, hopefully she'll think I'm a nice guy as well, but she'll tell you that I can be grumpy, you know, I can get, I, I can be moody at times and things like that. But, and I would, I would never deny that. But I've, I think I'd like to think I've reached a place in my life where I'm okay with that. I'm okay with who I am. It's took me a long time to get there. But if I'm always striving to be, I don't know, it's almost, again, it's the measuring stuff, isn't it? It's the self. For me, a lot of it's just down to self-worth, how you see yourself and, you know, do you value yourself and that, no matter what you're doing. So that's what I'm saying. If you go back to the the African lady in her tin hurt, she's happy with who she is. She's happy with, you know, with her life. Yeah, but for me, like, I'm I'm more comfortable now than I've ever been. Still not like there is what you say, but I've had to work damn hard and not be content to get there. If that makes sense. So I wasn't happy with who I was when I was 28. So I had to look at myself and go, I'm not happy with who I am. Yeah, but that wasn't an option for me. What you've just described, or I didn't feel like it anyway, or maybe that led me to that downfall. You know, not being comfortable in my own skin. But what? I had to then go, right, I'm not happy with myself. I'm going to continue to work. But I agree that it comes back to beliefs. So I could probably carry on working until I die and still not think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. So these beliefs then, if they're the things that we need to change, 
which totally makes sense to me, right? Unless you believe that you're good enough, you never will be, no matter what you acquire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how do we start to get to the, the the root of those things that may have been, you know, deep deep seated, rooted into us from 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 a young age? Uh, like, how do we start to attack those and change the beliefs that we have about ourselves? Well, I guess by questioning them, you know, and when and when they come up, what are your beliefs? Most people don't even question them. They just go along with, you know, what they've been told. But that's what I'm saying. That's what ties in with what I was saying earlier about having two sides of a conversation, two sides of an argument. It allows you to start questioning your own beliefs, start questioning who you are. You know, if you've got a deep-seated thing about not being good enough, which most people have, then it's like, well, where's the evidence that I'm not good enough? Where did that come from? You know, so... But for me, it's that that it's questioning things all the time. So what you're saying, maybe it is about going out and it's not un, it's not unusual, is it? We've probably all done it. Go out and strive for all these things, making it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then it's if I get all of these things, like, say, a big house and a fancy car, whatever, whatever it is you're striving for. But then you, you start, you're still at the end of that realize, but I'm still unhappy. Okay, so why am I unhappy? I've, I've got all of these things, but I'm still unhappy. So then that's when you start questioning who you are and what your beliefs are. Because if all of these external things are not making you happy, then it's about questioning, well, why aren't they making me happy? Why? It's a bit like we said before. I remember getting my first black belt, Alex. I've said this before, getting, thinking, right, when I get that black belt, my life will be completely different. Everyone will respect me. I'll feel much better. I got the black belt just felt exactly the same. Everyone's tap, slapping you on the back. You've got a black belt. Oh, great. And that's nice. But I remember walking away afterwards thinking, well, nothing's changed apart from the fact that I've got a black belt. So again, it was a great example for me of an external an external thing, thinking that when I get that, that will answer all my, you know, my life's problems. Everything will be better. I'll be better. But <clears throat> it didn't really do a lot for me. So yeah. then I just have to go inside. It's about, it doesn't matter whether I've got a black belt or not. I'm reading a book now, actually, about this guy who says exactly the same. He said, no matter, I mean, it's, it was, just, I can't remember who it was, a successful guy, like, but he said, whatever goal he's achieved, I mean, he set out, whatever he set out, he's pretty much accomplished. It's always been underwhelming when he gets there, always. Yeah. And he kind of knows that now. So he, he takes less emphasis on goal setting and looks at more like behaviors and experiences. And, and 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 so on. It's interesting to think that that like the pursuit of the black belt might have contributed to towards the work on the inside, though. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So the external work contributes towards what what's going on Definitely. inside. That, yeah. that forges you, doesn't it? It kind of helps create who you are. I guess. I think it helps on lots of levels, isn't doesn't it? Because even if you go, it's like going down a different road, isn't it? You go down that road of getting a black belt, you go, you get to the end of it and think, oh no, this wasn't what I thought. So I've got to go back. But I've learned a lot getting to that destination. But actually, the ultimate thing that I was looking for, which again, I would say down to self worth, would it didn't really do that for me. So, you know, then I've got to go back and look at another route. But I don't regret getting the black belts. I don't regret anything I've done, really being a firefighter and then leaving after 17 years, I learned loads in that job. I learned loads doing working in factories. Even if I'm learning not to be there, this is not for me. It's, that's what I'm saying about sometimes you have to have all these different experiences, 
whether it's getting loads of money, getting a big house, and, and then think, well, it, that might be for you, you know. But for me, it was like, nah, it's more of an internal thing. Do you think we're becoming like a world of, of uh, narcissists in, in, in this self-development game where like, because it is easy when you play the self-development game that everything becomes about you and your own development. When I think when I really, if I dig deep, when I look back, like I'm always at my happiest when I'm just helping people, like serving mm. people in environments where the emphasis isn't on me, it's on other people. Because yeah. it takes away a lot of your problems, doesn't it? Because you could stare at your problems all day like and dial down on them and make everything about you. And, uh, you know, from, some, from the job, like you said, firefighter, counsellor now, like you're always helping people. Mm. And maybe maybe that contributes towards that feeling of good self worth, like you're you're giving something back, like you're contributing, like you're not just doing it for you, you're doing it for others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think the thing with narcissists is narcissists. I can see why you're saying that, but narcissists only really care about themselves, and that's normally from a painful past experience where they've cut off their feelings. So I think if you're helping other people and you genuinely help other people, that's probably the opposite to narcissistic behavior but you're right about yeah for me i remember being in the vatican this ties in with what we were talking about earlier like you know rome and i remember being in the vatican and i was brought up as a catholic Alex. <clears throat> i'm not a practicing catholic but i always remember i was a bit i was a bit wary of the vatican because of the wealth i thought i don't know how i feel about you know the the church having so much money but i went to the vatican and I, it was just it, it it blew me away. It's an amazing place. And I remember being in St. Peter's, I don't know if it's St. Peter's Cathedral, but the church is attached to the Vatican. And um, I remember being in there thinking, okay, I've been brought up as a Catholic. I'm in this place now. It's really spectacular, but I'm not feeling anything. It's, it's impressive, but I'm not feeling it. So there's lots of little chapels around the side of this this the, the Vatican. So I went in one of these chapels and I'm there and I'm going, I thought I'm here now, so I might as well say a few prayers. And I'm going, God help me to do this. God help me to do that. And not feeling anything, Alex. And then I said, um, God help me to help other people. Please help me to help other people. And this feeling just came over me like, wow. And I thought, that's it, you know, that's... So I feel when I'm doing my counselling work, Alex, that's my purpose. Mm. That's what I. That's what I'm here for, you know. Um, so that gives me confidence, you know, that's... that. So you're right, and I would say to other people quite often, you know, if you're struggling, go and help someone else because that, that helps you, you know. I learn, so I learn as much when I'm helping other people about myself as I do about them. You know, yeah. So there's a, there's a there's a concept called the wounded helper that says that most people that go into working as you know, coaches or counsellors have got a lot of their own issues that they're trying to work through as well. And I think you've got to be aware of that when you're working with people. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and there's two schools of thought on this one. Like, so yeah, it's like you know to help yourself, help others, and then you might speak to a Jeff who says you can only heal others when you heal yourself. And maybe they intertwine and, you know, you can heal yourself through the process of healing others. But I think there's plenty of narcissistic coaches out there, for example, that, like, put the public persona out there of, like, I'm, you know, I'm responsible for all these amazing results. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I still think you can be in the helping people game 
and still be narcissistic. And I don't think it means you're a bad person. I just think it's, you know, the way that we are now evolving, it's very much, you know, here's my social media profile, look at me. And it's hard not to become a little bit more narcissistic. I think I think it's genuinely hard not to. Like, so yeah. I think you have to keep an eye on that and make sure that you're doing things for the right reasons and not always wanting to take the credit for... That's what, like, when you're talking about a counsellor like yourself, it's not an option. You don't take credit. But when you're when you're a public coach, you could easily start snatching credit away from people who've done the work. Yeah, and I, I, I'd slightly disagree. Even as a counsellor, it's still you've got to be careful, haven't you, about ego? Ego's a big one, you know. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware still sometimes when people are, you know, I work with people and they get, you know, they make some big changes and they'll they'll be thanking you and telling you how brilliant you are and stuff like that. And you've saved me and you've done this. And part of me thinks that's nice and it is nice, but obviously I've got to be aware that it's a bit like, what's that famous poem, Alex, when he says about take the criticism and take the plaudits. It's not quite the right words, but treat them the same way. And that, but that's quite hard to do. And the ego bit, I mean, you could have a whole session on ego. It's massive, isn't it? I was talking to Matty on Saturday, and I'm 60 this year. And he said, what are you going to do for your 60th? And I said, well, I'm thinking of a skydive and a marathon. <laughs> and he's like, why? You know, Matty's like, but the more I talked to him, the more I thought about it. I thought, yeah, is that just me almost like battling not wanting to be 60? You know what I mean? And prove, or proving even at 60, I can still go and do a skydive. I can still run a marathon. You know, and I, the more I thought about it afterwards, I thought that probably is my ego. You know, on, on some level, that is my ego because I don't feel that I really need to prove anything to anybody. So who am I trying to prove it to? And there's nothing wrong with doing those things. I still might do them, but I want to. If I'm going to do them, I want to do them for the right reasons. You know, not to. There's something in. I don't know if that makes sense, but there's something in me which I've struggled with accepting that I'm sixty. I watched a girl in the red corner the other week doing one-arm press-ups. She was impressive the way she was doing them. She was a dancer doing them from one arm to the other. So as soon as I got home, I was trying to do that. I've just done a weight session and I'm trying to do all these one-arm press-ups and falling flat on my face and just laughing. And okay. I, was telling my mate, I was telling my mate about it and he said, well, she's probably 20-odd and you're, you know, you're coming up on 60, which yeah. made me laugh as well, you know, and it was just a yeah. real this is what i mean like you could write, relate that back to the start of the convo like how how do we start to dig deep and find out whether we're doing things for the right reason so you're right that could be ego going yeah i want to do these things could be resistance stopping you from doing those things and actually you do want to do them yeah. but how do you ever know or are, we, or are we questioning this too much where like if you want to jump out of a plane you just go and fucking jump out of a plane. Like, it's uh, – do we do we need to question everything? And he, do you know what? Is there anything wrong with, like, you doing it for e egotistical reasons at, at 60 just to say, well, I can, and it feels good? Uh, I don't know if there's any – for me, yeah, because it's almost like, well, why are you doing that? You're right. You don't have – but that goes back to what we're saying about questioning ourselves, you know, how do we learn about who we really are? So it's, so it's me. Look, if I'm honest, it's doing that because I'm resisting being – 60 well you know just because i'm 60 don't think i can't jump out of an airplane or run a marathon or do what but no one's saying that to me anyway nobody probably cares whether i do you know my wife said to me well, i'll pay for your parachute jump if you want she's not bothered she's you're mad but i'll do it 
So nobody really, if you want to run a marathon, nobody cares whether I run a marathon or not. So then I'm questioning myself and going, well, why am I doing that? And I want to, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it for the right reasons, just because I want to do it. I enjoy it. Not because I'm trying to prove something. I've got nothing to prove anymore. But that obviously that egotistical bit of me is still there that wants to, and, and I'm not, I'm making ego sound bad. I don't think ego is necessarily a bad thing. It's what helps, it's what gets, helps us to strive and it, like you were saying earlier and achieve new things and it's it's part you know the reason we create ego is is as part of our defense system you know to survive in a world so you need ego but i'd rather be i guess i'd rather be in control of my ego than let my ego control me and it's quite that's quite subtle you know that's 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 hard to know that's what i'm saying so that's the questioning for me am i doing this from ego or am i doing it from my you could say my authentic self so what do you do? So if you don't jump out of a plane or run a marathon, what do you do for your 60th? I'd probably, well, I've already got a few things in mind. One was the South Africa trip. You know, I'm lining that up. So that's something that's, for me, that'll be an experience, you know, travelling around South Africa for a few weeks. I'll do that. I'll, I'll, obviously, I won't do it at my 60th because of the timing, but um, that's the plan. I'll be doing it for my 60th, if that makes sense. Um, and I've got a couple of things, maybe even go and see Joe Sheriff in in Marbella, something like that, with Matty and a few of the people and just, just have a laugh with people that I really like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, look, I, I get it. Like, it totally makes sense. Like, it, I'm 30, I'll be 38 this year, and already I'm starting to think I don't need these massive challenges like I used to. But part of me doesn't want to become soft either. Like, I want to stay tough. I want to stay hard. I want, and, and I think that's one of the day. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think you might transition it into other things that challenge you, such as forms of writing and creation. Because, you know, that's that takes real grit to, to sit and write for an hour a day, sit and read for an hour a day, to ask tough questions like we've spoke about, about, you know, who am I? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's really hard work, isn't it? I think... Sometimes the mass, the physical work can mask what really needs to be done. Um, yeah, yeah. It's attaching, isn't it? I'm reading a really good book at the moment. I've got it here. I thought you'd normally ask me what books okay, I'm Yeah, you're ahead of the game, mate. I was going to ask you. Can you see that? I can't see it, no. Uh, philosophy for Life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm big into philosophy. Who's it by? Sorry, I can't see. Is it Julie Evans? Jules Evans. Yeah, I know. It's hard to. Jules Evans, J-U-L-E-S-E-V-A-N-S, Jules Evans. I have to check that out. What have you learned so far? Loads, you know, that I didn't know. He combines CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, with philosophy. But stuff that, some great stories in there, but, you know, he's talking about people like um, Socrates and Seneca, people that I've always been interested in. Um, I didn't realise that they were very much into fitness, you know, tough wrestling and and fasting and diet and stuff like that. You know, they saw, I, I imagine them as philosophers. This is my, you know, this is me picturing this and getting it wrong. Um, but as, you know, almost like overweight guys going around talking to people like Socrates, questioning people and making them question themselves. Whereas they weren't, you know, they were quite fit guys and into, you know, trained quite hard. Um, and also one of the things that they would do was think of the nicest food they could think of, 
get it made for them, bring it out, and then see if they could resist it mm. and end up giving it to the servants, which I think is taking it a bit far. But you can see that, you know, we're looking at, you know, thousands of years old, a couple of thousand years ago, or maybe even longer, that people were thinking like that. So I know, you know, they were the same as what you just said about getting soft. They believed in being, and then you got the Spartans, who are just taking it to a different level again. It's like, whoa, incredible. But, you know, that's, for me, taking it a bit too far. And even the Greeks were saying, you know, they're crazy. And the Greeks were tall. So, again, I guess it's what level you take it to and what you attach to it, isn't it? Yeah, but what you've just said about, you know, this beautiful food being made and put in front of them as a test, if you think what's happening in modern-day society, that's now, like, every time you go to the supermarket, Mm -hmm. like, pretty much. Yeah, that's true. You know I mean, so we're we're faced with those battles all the time, and yeah. let's face it, it's easier to like eat the things that contribute towards poor health than good health. So I always say to like, if you're a guy, like most guys struggle with purpose, don't they? You know, most guys these days are struggling to find out what they're here for, and they probably would want more from life. I think the best place to start is to get yourself healthy, get yourself fit and healthy. I think it's the perfect gateway to any form of transformation. That's why I start the, the bridge for me is, look, come and, come and get in good shape. I'll help you get in shape. Yeah. And, th- and then you often transition into different areas of your life. Because for me, unless you get, you know, control over your nutritional intake and basic things like your water and stuff, Tony, you're always fighting uh, physiology then. Like you can't even think straight if you're dehydrated. You can't mm. think clearly if you're, five stone overweight you know you're tired all the time you're exhausted it's it's your perspective changes when you've got no energy like life can't be very good and then when life isn't very good you're not very positive or you don't think big or you don't think exciting things you it's a struggle man so i I can't see why you, you wouldn't start with your health and fitness and make that your purpose so I was speaking again to arjuna earlier and we were saying about the ukrainian war like a really strange part of me tone was excited when i was watching the news because you had all these ukrainian guys saying i'm willing to die for my country and i was getting pumped up i was getting pumped up. i thought there's a fucking purpose man and then you've got people from britain flying over or volunteering to fly over to fight and you're like why are they doing that and it's clear it's like it's something to fight for Mm. and if you haven't got that I think you're in trouble. Like, and I'm not suggesting like, and I think, but war's always been around, but I don't think we know how to live in peace. Because when things are peaceful, I think people struggle to know what they're alive for. Yeah, maybe. But I think that's got to be, that's deep, Alex, because again, <laughs> again, we're so con- we're so conditioned, I believe. I've learned a lot through the COVID stuff, stuff that I've never watched before or got into. And, you know, the, the conspiracy stuff is quite, wow, in... I don't know, you know, it made me sort of, I don't know, the hypocrisy of it all, even with the BBC. The BBC, I heard the BBC saying last week or the week before about how Russian people are only seeing the, you know, the, the narrative that, you know, Putin wants them to see. And I was like, but that's exactly what you do. You, you do exactly the same thing. You'd never admit it. So I can see why you say, yeah, you know, you watch that and you get pumped up. I get that. But I guess that's some... And I understand that, and I think I felt it myself as well, Alex. But I also think at some stage, hopefully as we develop as a species, we'll get past that. Because what are we fighting for? I've often thought about that. You know, being brought up as a Catholic, you know, I was brought up as a Catholic with Irish parents, and 
so you know a little bit of the history of Ireland, you know, Protestants and Catholics, and thought, well, you know, I could have been brought over, you know, being born the other side of the road and being a Protestant, and then I'd be hating Catholics and, and well, I don't, I don't, but that's the way it could be, couldn't it? You know, you look at those Ukrainians and the Russians, they look the same to me. So, you know, what are they, what are we fighting for? Because somebody says this line is our land, this line is your land. Oh, and yeah. Who, sure. And who's, who's behind all that? Uh, totally yeah like you say that's like a different argument like we only like you say we only know what we're being shown i don't trust what we see on mainstream news anyway so i'm sure the russian 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 soldiers on the front line probably don't know what they're fighting for either Mm. um the ukrainians probably do but again deeper to it they probably you know no one really knows what's going on but i think just that's what i mean I, i think i struggle to ever see a peaceful world because i think it wouldn't satisfy people's like human needs like i think we need something to fight for and i'm not talking physically i just mean something to to stand up and and th- you know this is me this is what i stand for and i think war allows you to do that i mean why do boxers get in the ring and fight it's it's war it's it's sport is war for me like even football to like the olympics when it's russia versus america they reckon it's it's the closest thing they can get to war that isn't like a physical you know, expression. So that's war. Like we need that competition in us, don't we? So it's finding healthy ways. But I I, I mean, I think if you go back through history, there's never been a period where there's been peace. I I don't know. There's different theories on it, isn't it? You know, they say about going back to, going back in history, sort of cave, cavemen or when we first started, we're very tribal. That's what it is. There's a good book on that. Um, but we're very tribal. You know, that's something I've noticed, that even when friends fall out, it's almost like everybody takes sides. So Alex and Tony fall out. So half the people go to Alex's side, half the people go to Tony's side. I'm looking at it half time going, what? I like Alex and Tony. So I'm not going to pick a side. And it's just, but it's, it's always surprised me how people do. You go, why? Why you, you know, why do you hate Alex? Oh, because he fell out with Tony. But has he done anything to you? No. So, you know, the tribal thing, yeah, you're right, but I, I just think, I don't know, maybe I'm a dreamer, but I'd like to think at some level we'll get past that. You know, well, it ain't going to be anytime soon, Tony, is it? I mean, they're talk, like, on, on the Guru uh, episode, he, he's talking, you know, dozens of civil wars in the next 20 years because of food famine. People will be fighting over food. It's there's different theories on it though, isn't there? If you listen to Jordan Peterson, he says one of the biggest problems in the world is going to be a shortage of people. You know, so who's going to look because people are not having so many kids. There's not so many. That's again, it gets really complicated. If you look at immigration, why do people people go mad about immigration? But at a top level, they sort of almost they they want immigration because there's not enough people. It's like I'm sixty next. I'm sixty this year. I'll get a pension from the fire service. Well, who's going to pay my pension? The people coming through. That's how pensions work for a lot of pensions. So the people that are in the job now are paying my pension, like I paid the people's pension when I. So if if not so many people are coming through, there's not so many people to pay the pensions. So that's just one example. You know who does the work. So, you know, if you listen to Jordan, there's so many different theories, Alex. If you listen to someone like Jordan Peterson, that's one of his things that he says one of the biggest crises facing the world is that there's not going to be enough people to keep it going. So, and then other people are saying, well, there's too many people and we're going to have food shortages and we're going to have, you know, 
don't get me started on this house because then you think who's telling you there's going to be food shortages and they're the people like bill gates that are buying all the land up and stuff like that it gets a bit it gets yeah. complicated and i don't pretend to know the answers no absolutely i'm only going off what i've been fed on on this latest podcast but he was saying something like farmers have got the highest suicide rate at the moment yeah, have, yeah. all industries just because yeah like you know they're not able to 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 create enough to make a living and so on and his you know the way the pattern's going but this has been a theory for a while you know that something like in america the grid could go down and all of a sudden like there's massive food shortages like we're a tiny island so if ever we got to the point where we couldn't get boats in and out for example like you start to think like well how long could the uk cope resources without external influence so mm-hmm. It, it's what I mean what you do about it I don't know because what do you do do you start getting chickens in your garden and shit and even if there even if you did and there was a civil war people would come around and steal all your food anyway yeah baby but then if you look at it you look at like you said it goes back to what you said at the beginning where we are if this is a if this is a heaven which it is to you know in some ways we're talking about things that you know this is the fear stuff again isn't it that people are pump a lot of people are pumping out. You know, this could happen. We could have a civil war. We could have a world war, and we could. But we haven't at the moment, have we? So, you know, I love I love the AA stuff. You know, the Alcoholics Anonymous, where they go, they just take one day. I'm all right today. That's it. I'm okay. I haven't had a drink today. That's it. I love that. I've done that with people that are really ill. They've got sick kids. How how is he today? He's all right. That's it. He's all right. Then we'll deal with the other stuff when it happens. If it happens, when it happens. That book about tribalism, it's not wild at heart, is it? No, I think it's just called Tribe. Okay. Matty actually brought it. I don't know where it is. I'm surrounded by books here, Alex. But uh, it's just called Tribe. It's, it's a good. It's only a small book. It's good. I can't remember who the author is. But it's, okay. a, it's a good good little book, actually. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Jeff's new one on forgiveness. I think it's 99 Reasons to Forgive. So I think yeah. that's... Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, but Wild at Heart keeps, you know, when there's a certain book when you haven't heard of it and then one person mentions it and then within a week you hear it eight times. So Wild at Heart is the, the next thing I'm going to dig into. Which uh, one's that? Um, I can't remember the author's name, but it, it kind of links Christianity and masculinity, I think. It's quite an interesting concept. It's going back about like masculinity being a good thing for us and how we are Wild at Heart and how we can live like in a modern day without being so destructive. I believe that's the path. Cause that's the thing, isn't it? If, if we are like, if, if, you know, DNA suggests that, you know, we are hunters and we, we do like to fight as men and stuff. It's like, how do we do that and still survive in the modern world without, you know, causing too much chaos and destruction? Cause there are things in us as men, aren't we, that we want. I mean, you've got a, a background, right? Of martial arts and, and, and fighting, right? Like it's something you did, Something you experienced, isn't it? It's in you, right? Like, whenever you mention Tony Summers, people always think one of the nicest guys you've ever met, right? So, you know, when I told the guys you were coming on the podcast, everyone's like, Tony's a legend. What a great guy. And you are. And you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. But if you read your book, like, you'll know that also you've got the ability to stamp on someone's head. Mm. Isn't that yeah. Yeah, yeah. All incredible? Well, Jeff and Matty are great examples. Two of my favourite people. And I yeah. don't know them from past, but it's what I'm saying. We've got all of that in us, so we've got the potential to be 
these kind human beings. But we have Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time as well. There's there's a monster in there as well. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. There can be, but I guess again, it goes back to what we've talked about about going down those routes, testing yourself out, and I think that's part of it's part of stages of life as well, isn't it? You know, um, we've got Carl Jung talks about it, doesn't he? And then what's his name? Can't think of the American guy. He's dead now. A motivational guy. He was good. He talked about life stages, about athlete, warrior, statesman, and then spiritual stage. He took Carl Jung stuff and broke it down into different things. But I think you do go through stages of life where you want to test yourself. Um, but the key is to keep moving through those stages. And I guess that's what I'm saying for me coming up to 60. Part of me still wants to prove by doing a marathon and doing a a skydive that I can still, I'm still, I can still dip back into that warrior stage and stuff like that. Instead of maybe accepting that I'm at the later stages now, you know, the statesman, the spiritual stage, you know. So one of the reasons you, you Matty and Jeff are probably also comfortable with yourselves now is because you, you've got control of that monster. So all of you guys know it's there because you've all unleashed it. Right. And again, this is JP's theory. It's like, well, a good man is a dangerous man as well. So, like, you've got that in you, but it's under control right now. Yeah. I think a lot of men probably aren't at that point where they might have that destructive side in them, that anger, that bitterness, and it comes out, it leaks out of them each day. Like, you know, they might be nasty to the wife or they might be just what, you know what I mean? It comes out in unhealthy ways. Whereas I think you guys have experienced that work and that toughness and you've got it under control now and you know it's there you can use it when you want mm. therefore i think there's a there is a comfort in you i think when you can't manage your state and you can't manage the personalities you don't trust yourself yeah does that make sense it makes perfect sense but which is a crap word i still think it's, it's the same for me like getting the black belt you know, you can get all that stuff and you can get to a stage where you think, okay, I know I can have a fight now, but it doesn't make, I don't know, does it? Sometimes it can give you a little bit of comfort, I suppose. But a lot of times, depending on what what environments you're moving in, it's not the answer. You know, you can't go around punching people, talking to, according to Jordan, Pete, you know, you're talking to Jordan Peterson and he ties you in knots, which I think he would. I can't go, oh, you know, smack. So I, I know what you're saying, and I get that people have to go down that path because at one time I think I was guilty of it when me and Matty were teaching as well of saying to people, look, you don't need to go down that path. What's wrong with you? The answers are not there. But I think sometimes you have to just let people go down that path and then they'll find out that that's not where it's at. But it's okay to go down that path because you'll learn a lot about yourself and you'll learn a lot about other people by going down that path and experiencing it. But it still doesn't, you could be, you know, you can be a tough guy, Alex, but there's loads of other tougher guys out there, you know. It's like, yeah, you're right, I feel like I can look after myself, but I know there's loads of people out there that could tie me in knots. And so, you know, it's that's never ending. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. But what I'm saying is the character that you developed during those stages is what's really impressive. Your resilience, your grit, your ability to handle um, high-pressure situations, your bounce-back ability. Um, do you know what I mean? It's it's not the fight. It's the skills that you learn on your way yeah. to learn how to have a fight. Yeah. That's what I think offers you the reassurance. Not the fact that you can throw a wicked cross or a left hook. 
it's the fact that you've been chiseled in that time. Like you've, do you know what I mean? Your character's been been. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that, but I think you can do. I still think you can do that. Like, I, I don't know whether it's. I've been looking back over things recently. I did. I went to Devon with Matty a couple of weeks ago, and we did. Uh, there's a woman down there, Leanne. She's lovely. She's moved down to Devon from Coventry, and she works. It was it was a bit like a halfway house. They house alcoholics and drug addicts and try and get them back on their feet and get them into you know proper accommodation. And she said, will you come down and do your warrior to warrior course, which is a bit of physical and a bit of talking to them, a bit of psychological, because she had done the course and she loved it. So we went down there and it was, they loved it. We blew them away, you know, and the, the people, Leanne and the people who worked there, you know, they were saying, you've got people into this room and doing stuff that we've been trying to get for years. So, you know, we were both pleased with it, but then, you know, I was thinking while I was teaching, on the last day I had to do t- two courses with the staff, one in the morning, one in the afternoon on conflict management. And uh, I hadn't done it for a few years, but it really brought, when I left the fire service, Alex, all I did for years, or most mostly what I did was teach conflict management in the NHS. Mate, it was a nightmare. You walk into a room, you've got 24 women who don't want to be there. It's a mandatory course. I'd have to go to London or drive to Stoke-on-Trent, you know, down the motorway in the morning, hour and a half. Make the adrenaline and the anxiety that would come up for me. Um, and I'd do one course in the morning, one in the afternoon. And I did that for years, you know. I remember at times driving there, especially in the early days, wanting to turn my car around and come back. But I guess I learned that through doing all the martial arts with Jeff, keep stepping up. But I did it again with that. That was, in lots of ways, that was even harder than the martial arts stuff. And it's something now I can do with my eyes closed. You know, I can step up, like, not having done one for a few years and doing it in Devon, you know, it was it was, it was was quite easy for me to walk into a room and teach 24 people. I find quite easy. But I don't know. I would say in some ways that was harder for me to do that because I'm an introvert as well, believe it or not. I'm quiet. I don't like standing up in front of people. So I'm going out of my comfort zone to do that. So I guess, yeah, they all lead on from each other. But for me, that was as hard, if not harder, than doing all the animal day stuff and, you know. Yeah, but it's less practiced and you haven't done it for years. So that makes sense. So for for me, anxiety and discomfort are things that need, like, continuous top-ups and, and attention. So if you don't do something for a few years. But I think that's what I'm saying, like, that – that ability to deal with the anxiety, you are probably be very well trained from getting the black belts because let's face it, you face a lot of that during those, those, those times. Yeah. So I think it adds strength of character. Are there other ways you can get it? Yeah, of course. Definitely, yeah. But it's hard for a man to do something like that that doesn't require some kind of physical work. Like, I think you learn so much from it whether it's yeah. the gym and you get yourself into great shape because you have to be damn stubborn and tough to get into great shape, like discipline. Mm-hmm. You have to push through the burn, whether it's fighting. Physical for me is a real good educator. And now you don't need to do it in fighting. Like you're past mm-hmm. that. But yeah. now you can apply those lessons to travel, to creation, to teaching. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So it, it's, I think it's a great path. I love hanging around with ex-fighters. I think they're the nicest guys I've ever met because yeah. they don't want to hurt you. No. They know what no. they're capable of. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and they've seen it, they've done it, and they don't want to hurt anyone. I was talking to Matty about going fishing. He was like, no. Nah. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, Matty, you said you'd take me fishing. 
So like, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt the fish. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I thought, wow, what a change. But yeah, what a guy. I just thought, what a change from, you know, thumping people around the face to like not not wanting to hurt fish. But I think he's there because of you know his history of inflicting pain on people. He just doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Makes total sense to me. But that's why I respect you guys so much because I'm like, there is a toughness and a rawness to you. And every man wants that toughness. I don't care what they say. Like, you want to think that you're a little bit tough, even if it's not physically. You want to know you've got something about you where you can handle some tough times. Like, you have mm-hmm. to, otherwise life's going to eat you up. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but there's different types. Like, I'd say Jordan Peterson's not a physically tough bloke. I don't know, but I'm guessing he's not. But, you know, look at him. He steps out onto a world stage, the stick he takes. He's he's incredible, you know, I really admire. Even politicians, I'm not a fan of politicians, but the one thing I do admire about them is they they must be thick-skinned and stand up there and the abuse they take and stuff. Boris, Boris yeah. has got thick skin all over. Like, I'm not a Boris fan, but my God, what a shit job that is. Yeah. But Jordan Peterson, when he was young, guess what the first thing he did was to toughen himself up? Got himself down the gym and stacked on like 24 pounds. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, and you're right. Like, he, he doesn't look like, you know, he's a slight frame, but he's but he's authoritative. Mm. Like you, yeah. you got. I, I think for me, in some ways, you're right. And going back to the book with the uh, the you know the ancient Socrates and people like that, then people are saying how important the physical aspects are. So I agree with that. I guess for me, it's still it's stepping up in whatever way that is. So whether it's stepping up to give a um, you know a presentation, or you know if you choose to step up and, and get into the ring or something like that, it's. It's, it's continuously facing the fear, isn't it? Until you realise, actually, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't. Again, it's back to that ego. So who am I trying to prove stuff to now? Yeah. For me, it was always, for me, it was always insecurity, if I'm honest. The reason I started training with Jeff years ago was through insecurity. Just yeah. feeling I had two kids, I'm married. And even though I I think I'd, when I look back, I'd always been able to look after myself through being the way I was brought up. But... Um, I doubted that and I thought well I need to go and learn some stuff because if anything ever happens to my kids or that I want to know that I could look after them but in hindsight I probably could have anyway and nothing nothing that, like that ever happened you know so I didn't ever need to do that yeah. so again it's a fear thing isn't it yeah and handling fear is a transferable skill isn't it so if you learn how to handle it in one area you can probably transfer it over to another because that feeling is pretty much the same tone isn't it it's like you know, when you're really scared, it's, you know, your your stomach might go in knots, you might tense up, your jaw might lock, you, you, you might shake a bit. Whether you're fighting or standing on a stage, like, it's quite similar. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. I, yeah, you know, the fear I felt stepping into the ring with Glenn Smith was the same fear I felt stepping on stage at the Royal Shakespeare to do that talk at No Holds Barred. It's a yeah. similar thing, you know, although yeah. there's a different threat yeah. in front of you, you know, yeah. inside it's the same kind of reaction going on. So it's nice to be able to put yourself in front of that. But I think for the modern man, I think you know, it's hard to do that because there isn't, you know, people try and hide from that. Understandably, like, why would you want to feel uncomfortable? But the problem is, is if you avoid that comfort, like you end up staying in your house and yeah. going, and that's it. And I think the worst thing you can do, whether it, you know, Loads of different ways you can improve your, your your resilience, but I think if you don't have something, 
then you're going to end up living what you might consider a dull life if you're not ex exposing yourself to challenge and things that test that fear out. Yeah, I think you've got to take risks, haven't you? I think so, That's, mate. Like they say, a life without risk. You could stay in your house all day and you'll have a life without risk, but it'll be boring, you know? So as soon as you step outside the front door, you're taking a risk, aren't you? You're taking a risk that potentially you could you could get attacked airplane flying over your head weighing how many tons could fall out of the sky you could get knocked over so you're taking risks every day more than you think every time you get in the car you're taking a risk you're risking that the person coming the opposite way just going to stay on this side of the road so you're taking risks all the time i'm just thinking more i was thinking deeper than what it is about when we stand on a stage and that adrenaline kicks in and that anxiety kicks in what it is when we step into a ring and that fear, you know, that fear kicks in. There's something deeper there, isn't there? You know, with the with I guess with the crowd, it's that they say it's rejection, don't they? If you stand up and give a talk and, and people don't like you, there's a fear that you're going to be rejected, you're going to be ostracized. Um that I goes back to cavemen, cave women days, doesn't it? About yeah. not again, it's tribal. A lot can go wrong. Yeah, you can be embarrassed, all eyes on you. It's a, there's a lot can go wrong. The physical thing's a bit more obvious, you know, someone's trying to punch your face in, you know, it's a bit different. Mm. Um, but you're right, there's a lot of, like, everyday examples where when you break it down, like, nothing terrible could come of it, yet it cripples us like it's life and death. Mm. So, you know, I have people sitting on the fence about starting a 90-day plan with me because they're, they're, they're scared simply because it's unknown. Yeah. You know, that's that, the fear, isn't it? The unknown, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But again, if you want a life where everything is known, then you have to make sure that it's pretty straightforward and not too much excitement, not too much risk. So yeah. if you're okay with that, then yeah, accept that. But that's but what compulsive disorders are about as well. Sorry, Alec. No, it was that tone, sorry. I was just going to say that's what compuls compulsive disorders and eating orders are. A lot of that is about control trying to control you know so quite often people feel that they can't control their emotions but they can control how many times they wash their hands or how many times you know they wash their car or you know what food they put into their mouth and things like that so the control bit it's all it's, it's all back to fear isn't it but the, the, the fear is the fear is trying to work out i've looked at this loads of times the fear is of annihilation you know of death you know, they say you can trace all anxiety back to death. I um, I read uh, Ernest Becker's um, The Denial of Death, and it's exactly yeah. that. Like, every yeah. fear that we have traces back to the fear of, of, of yeah. that reality. Yeah. yeah. So and you stand up in front of a group of people. This is what I'm saying. It's a tenuous link. And that group of people turn around and go, Alex, that was absolutely shit. Yeah. That taps into that. So now that group of people have rejected you. That taps into the old tribal stuff. You know, this is just a tenuous link going back to cavemen, cave women days. If you didn't belong to a tribe, your life expectancy was virtually nil. Mm. So you know, one of the theories is it. It's an innate fear. It taps back into that. You know, so that rejection stuff is massive. You know, so yeah. we're, we're rejected. We think we're going to die. You know, when you get in a ring. You know, with someone like Glenn who's punching your head in, they say, you know, there's a fear there, even though it's illogical because hopefully he'd stop or someone would stop it. But there is a fear there, knowing him, he probably wouldn't. <laughs> there is a fear there, isn't there, that I'm going to die. So, you know, there is the fear of death is, yeah, is, is, is massive. So, I guess if you can get your head around that one, all the other fears would collapse, wouldn't they? 
Well, that's the stoic approach, isn't it? It's like they focus on the fact that they're going to die, knowing that that's the biggest fear. Therefore, every other fear underneath it in comparison is not as big. Yeah. So, yeah, like what, you know, it's career change. Yeah, it's scary, but look, you ain't going to die. So in comparison terms, it, it's okay. But we still might confuse that feeling as like a real safety threat when it's not. Yeah. That's what it is, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is, isn't it? It's that. It's that. That. It's not so much a feel. Well, it is a feeling, but that feeling starts again with a thought. So that thought would be this is. There's an old thought there going. At some level, I'm going to die here if these people reject me. So it's again goes back to what you said earlier. How do you work that out by questioning it, challenging it? You know, am I really going? to... I remember standing up in front of seventy consultants at a big hospital in London. And it, you know, all the way down on that, they're a nightmare, Alex. All the way down on the train, the little boy in me, the scared little boy was going, phone ahead and tell them you're not very well. Get off that Euston and jump back on the train, yeah? I'll go, tell them you'll go another day. And I actually got to this hospital. The woman, if they were doing training all day, so they're pissed off, yeah? The woman in front of me, the trainer came out. She had just done a session with them. And as she came out, she went, good luck with them lot. And I was like, oh, please don't say that. And then I went in, I had a couple of videos to show them, and the guy said, no, the videos are not working. So I thought, now I've got to add lib a two-hour course to 70, who were just staring at me. These people are, you know, they're clever people. They're consultants, fellows, all these different things. And uh, I remember just standing on the stage, looking out at them and thinking, shit. And then I just got this, do you know what? Ah, fuck it. And just bang. And at the end of it, they stood up and clapped me. And as I walked out, the other trainers were going, what did you do? And I'm going, I don't know. I don't know what I did. But then when I thought about it afterwards, I was just authentic. Mm. I told them real-life stories, you know, that they'd probably had PowerPoint after PowerPoint after PowerPoint. And I went in and was just authentic. So I get why I'm sharing that story is that it's the same. That feeling came up again, but it's almost like being able to question it and going, ah, do you know what? Fuck it. If 70 people say I'm shit, then I'm shit, you know. So, which again maybe ties in with what you're saying, where some of the training comes in, because you're being battered by people like Glenn and stuff like that. Part part of me is going, do you know what? These people ain't going to get up and batter me like they did. What's the worst they can do? They'll go, that was rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I'm sure you'll back me up on this, but my life's become a lot better being able to accept uncertainty. Like it's almost exciting. So. Like I said, we were speaking before we came on air about, you know, the next few months, what I'm doing and stuff. You know, it's all uncertain. Who knows what that – but that's kind of the fun for me, like, because I've always thought I wanted certainty. But like mm. I say, when, when you get too much of it, like, you take away all fun and excitement or – or Yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it becomes boring. But we had a conversation last week. Um, I'm sure it was with – I can't remember who I spoke with about this topic, but we were saying about, it was with Jesse actually, about authenticity becoming really hard in, in modern world because one, like, you've got to be very careful what you say. And two, I, I just feel like now if if you make a mistake and you're in the public eye, so let's just say you're, I don't know, a politician, an actor, like one mistake could be the end of you now. And I don't think it's it's practicing or teaching a very good example for people because I believe in second chances, third chances. I believe that we should be able to make mistakes, apologize, and then be forgiven for those mistakes and not kind of like crucified for mistakes. I don't think it's a good lesson to teach our young young men that if you fuck up, you can be 
you know, an outcast and you're pushed to the side, banned from social media and we're done with you. I think it's teaching men the wrong message. So to be authentic and be able to speak what you truly feel, I think it's harder now than ever because of because of the potential consequences. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the world's changing, isn't it? So the acceptance bit comes into that. It's changing and we've got to go with it. And it's definitely changing for men. But it's funny, Alex, because I've been working with a lot of women recently and it's really opened my eyes um, to some of the stuff that women are putting up with, man. It's incredible, you know. Some of the abuse and stuff that women are experiencing in a workplace with men, you know, that maybe sometimes you, you can see as banter, but some of it I'm just thinking, if someone spoke to my wife or my daughter like that, I'd be going mental, you know, and it's that's really opened my eyes a bit. Just, I don't know, just seem to have gone through a spell recently where I'm working with lots of women. So I'm starting to see the other side of that. You know, I've always been a bit, you know, like you said about men. But are those men speaking to to those women like shit because they're women or are they speaking to those women like shit because those people are just idiots Like, and that's their, like... It's probably a bit of both. It's probably a bit of both, but I think, you know... I don't know. It, it, it's a funny one for me. It's really opened my eyes as a guy. And I've mainly worked in, you know, in gyms, it's mainly guys. In the fire service, when I was there, it was mainly guys. And I've always been very much probably along the lines of you of, you know, like what, what are men's roles in society and they're changing and it's tough. Um, and like you said, men and women to me are just different. It's part of the argument. I like Jordan Peterson's thing, you know, where people are trying to make them the same and they're not the same. And they're never going to be the same. But I also think a lot of it's down to balance. We've got to be careful how we treat people. And, you know, I'm just seeing a lot, like a lot of women. And I guess the guys would see it as banter. But, you know, when you hear their side of it, you're thinking, hmm. Tony, I'm not going to lie. I'd rather be a dude, man. I'd rather be a man than a woman. I think we've got it a bit easier. I do. I really do. Like, I know people, you know, I know this whole, this whole thing coming through about how tough it is for men these days. I'm not so sure. I think it's tough for any uh, yeah. anyone right now. But I don't think, yeah. But I think I, I think it'd be easier. I believe to be a man than a woman. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with some of the shit that women deal with, man. No, no. we can put our heads down and go off and do our thing, get our, get our gloves on and fight, and be all manly and that. And you know, we can use the excuse of testosterone, so it's all good. No. So, Tony, you said that you wanted to chat for about an hour. We've gone over yeah. that. Okay, mate. We always do, don't we? Mate, my head's blown, man. I feel like, I feel pretty tired. I know me and you always have a great conversation. You're you're probably one of the well, you are the only guest actually where I don't have any notes because I know we're just gonna talk and we're Brilliant. just gonna go into different yeah. So we might have to do a part three because uh like I say it, the feedback I got from the last podcast you were on, people really like hearing from you and your relaxed and open approach to it. Um, yeah but it used to drive me mad tony i think you used to used to remember me go come on tony let's do more let's do more and now i'm like oh tony's got a great balance man he's he he knows himself he's he seems happy and content so um, i used to drive myself mad alex because everyone would be saying that to me like people like yourself glenn you could be doing this you could be (laughs) oh maybe i could i could but then think well i don't want it yeah (laughs) i'm happy doing I know, and I respect you now for it. That was just me being naive and and kind of it's just a bit of a mirror. I just think I could have done. It's mad how we spend our energy trying to get other people to do more, and then you flip it back and you go, hold on, 
Yeah. It's like when you look at someone's faults, you know, if you've got a partner or someone and you're picking out their faults and you want to spin the mirror and go, hold on, what about yeah. your fucking faults, man? Like, it's so true, isn't it? The amount of people I've worked with, Alex, and they go, my life's completely changed. I don't know what's happened. It's, but you've changed. At first, because everyone's trying to change everyone out. If she does this, I'll be all right. If they do this, I'll be all right. I'm thinking, okay, but maybe what about you? I had a woman today, actually, in the fire service, and she wasn't getting on with somebody. And I said, well, that person's always going to be there. There's nothing you can – the fire service are not going to move on to suit you. So you've got, a, you've got a couple of choices here, either leave or work on yourself. And, get your, and she's been working on herself, and she's much better. You know, just how she's looking at this person now. So it's always, for me, it's always about working on it. It doesn't mean that the other person's always right, but you can only, it's back to that working on yourself again, questioning your beliefs. You know, it's it's, it's, it's annoying. It's frustrating at times. I've had it in the past where, I'm, you know, I might get a bit annoyed with someone, Alex, and I, afterwards I think, why am I so annoyed? And then I think, do you know what? They should respect me. They should show me respect. And then I, I go to myself, but do you respect them? No. <laughs> so I want them to show me respect, but I'm not showing them respect. And it's like, it's, it's always back to you. Which yeah, is absolutely. Yeah, it was the theme of conversation today with Arjuna. And, uh, you know, I'm working with about 45 guys right now, so I could easily get triggered by one of them because they're not doing the work. I, or I have to check in with myself every day and go, Alex, just before you say anything, make sure you're fucking perfect before you start like mm -hmm. preaching too much. Do you know what I mean? So I always have to bite my tongue and then look at myself. And then I realize that usually if I'm, if I'm a little bit frustrated at one of the guys, it's something I'm doing. Yeah. So their lack of work rate is, is mirroring something that I'm not working on. Yeah, I'm yeah. not just talking about the gym, Tony, because I go and work in the gym, but like you say, some of the deeper things, the internal work, that's where I can get lazy. That would be the equivalent of me skipping the gym. I'm not going to do my journal today or my reading. Fuck it. That's like one of the guys skipping the gym and me going, what are you doing, man? I thought you were committed. Yeah. Whereas I'm skipping the real work as well. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. You're a fascinating guy. Yeah. Cheers, Alex. Thank you so much for uh, your time. I appreciate it as always. It's always great to chat to you, man. So um, that, that's great. Thank you, mate. Brilliant. Thanks, Alex. Look after yourself. You too, man. Speak soon. Thanks, Tony. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.